Welcome everyone to episode 9 of Two Twins and a Mic. We have a special guest today, Daniel Mioli, our longtime friend from high school, who, yeah, apparently got lost now. <laughs> I mean, the, the context is we haven't actually seen Mioli, even though he's one of our closest friends. Oh, we call him, by the way, Mioli, that's <laughs> by his surname. But yeah, um, I guess it's because why? So Sam's asking why. It's, we, we have two friends that are called Daniel and it's just easier to distinguish between the two by just calling them by their surnames. So Mioli and Trung, who's the other one. Um, but yeah, so we, have, we haven't actually seen Mioli on the regular for quite some time, even though we went to the same university together at UNSW. We actually were just talking about this prior to starting the podcast. Um, I'm not going to get too much into the conversation just yet. Um, I want just to introduce you to our second host, who also seems to generally forget that it's called Two Twins and a Mic. Hey everyone, it's Sam here. I'm just enjoying my Zupa Dupa. Um, I was hoping Eli would talk longer so I could finish this off before I had to um, speak. But um, yeah, it's really good to have Daniel here. And I just want to firstly apologize to Daniel because he waited for quite some time. Apparently he was supposed to come in at one. I thought it was three, so my wife and I went to the spa and sauna at Moorpark trying to sweat out whatever things in our system to, to kind of heal ourselves. Um, but Daniel came exactly at one on the dot, and um, by then I'd just got to Moorpark. I was like, there's no way I'm turning around right now. So um, I literally called my brother. I'm like, what are you doing right now? And he's like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm like, are you still at home? He's like, yeah, I'm at home. I'm like, Daniel's outside the front of my house. You have to go there <laughs> right now. I feel so bad. So, so, so bad. I think I even said to Daniel, like, buy whatever you want in the nearby town center and I'll pay for it. <laughs> he's, he was so calm. He's like, no, I'm just going for a stroll. I'm enjoying my, myself right now. So humble, so relaxed. I'm like, not many people would normally respond like that. So clearly he wants to be on this podcast so desperately. <laughs> so I'm going to let Daniel say a few words. I just want to be famous. That's why. No. Um, hi, I'm I'm Daniel. Oh, I can't podcast. Um, hi, I'm. What did What did we say I was? An I SFJ. An ISFJ, but borderline on sensory feely. But I do like things very structured, which is why I think I'm like here at exactly one o'clock. But I also have a fear of being late, so give or take if i turn up at like 102 i'm like i'm late i will i will if i like turned up i would have been like so i'm so sorry summer i'm so late yeah but i was here first at someone else's house (laughs) (laughs) but it's okay i had a good stroll looked at the parks it was good enjoy the fresh air yeah, I, I remember when um, I got the call from you saying basically that Mioli's at the front door. I was in the process of making a steak for my dad and I. <laughs> I'd literally just made it. And, you know, my dad's a carnivore, so, you know, he likes to eat his meat and he likes it hot. And um, you know, it was going to be a bit of our quality time together. And I was cooking it and everything. And I got the call and I was just like to my dad, like, I have to get through this, like, within the next two minutes. So I chowed down, like a 400 gram steak with hummus and um i said it like a white guy hummus 
Hummus. <laughs> you know, sometimes it's funny how you like end up anglicizing even the ethnic words. Um, chowing down on it. And then I, I was, I even surprised myself. I got dressed within five minutes and I was in my car speeding. <laughs> I wasn't speeding. New South Wales police, if you're listening, I wasn't. It was just a joke. But yeah, I got here and I have to say, like, you were just sitting in the park, you were saying, and you were so calm. And I was like, that's, that's amazing because. It's actually sometimes you have people who um, have a low frustration tolerance and so they don't do well waiting. Like I personally think I have the patience of a monk. Um, and so I'm okay at most times just to wait for, for people, for things. Like I understand like things happen and it just doesn't bother me. Like I just don't get like necessarily bothered by these things. So it's just, but it's just very rare I find to find like to, having like to find another individual who shares that quality that like that patience and i don't know maybe in your head you're thinking merely like i want to effing kill them <laughs> like <laughs> i'm you know i drove all the way like as a j maybe you're thinking like we said one one o'clock like why why are they here you know like why am i standing outside because i mean i can understand that that's a that's also a normal reaction you know if you've agreed on a time then you should be there. and there are moments i know at work where i would like thought to myself now we agreed to have a two o'clock meeting. Like, why is this person not here yet? Like, why why are they wasting my time? I wouldn't get angry, but I in my head internally there's a monologue thinking like, I wouldn't do that to you. Why would you do that to me? Um, but yes, I would still have the patience just to wait. And I've learned actually, I learned that lesson when I first started my, I think it was my third job. So this is when I came back from Canberra. I remember like I I joined the public service at that point and it's a very different environment to the private sector and so i remember i had my first meeting right with so i had, I had this engagement this project and i didn't know anyone so i don't know like it's kind of different because it's corporate culture um but so i said to myself okay i i am going to set up a meeting with so and so because i need to build this information so that i can build this this particular piece of project and work and i organized the meeting and then like this is a couple of days out from the actual meeting date and then I ended up waiting for that person that day and like they never showed up. They never messaged that they weren't going to make it, whatever. And I remember like it was half an hour into the meeting time and I was just like, where is this person? Like I'm sitting in the meeting room. So in the end, I pick up the phone and I call them and I'm like, hey, buddy. And I'm like, um, we have it. We had a meeting at like two o'clock. Why? Like, where are you? And they're like, oh, um, I'm at home. I've decided to take a day off. I'm like, oh, fantastic. So <laughs> why didn't you decline the meeting? <laughs> I'm here waiting for you. Like this, this is quite, you know, um, it's quite rude actually. And so, I mean, I didn't say it was quite rude, but I, like, I just thought to myself, like, you should have kind of given me a heads up. And that was the time I learned, because I'm also, like I said, a patient person. So I was like sitting there for half now, which is a lot longer than most people, I guess. But yeah, it was a lesson for me that, um, like I guess I guess the lesson for me there was like don't also be too patient you know because I guess you have to set your boundaries with individuals and say you know um, all right if they weren't here within the first five minutes I got to respect my time you know I got to let them know next time this is like you know I don't really I can't accept this kind of behavior etc so I just want to say so when I was late I was actually beating myself up so badly in my head and I was saying to my wife in the car, I'm like, like I had actually a massive amount of respect for you because you were very calm about it, very relaxed. 
And the reason why I was beating myself up about it was, for me, I, I value people's time. And I kind of look at the world where I want people to also value my time so they don't take me for granted. And I'm, it's not to say like you should get angry or upset. It's just saying, you know, we've got a, a limited amount of time in the day. And I, it's, it's almost disrespectful when you kind of, um, you know, not really take into consideration another person's um, personal circumstances and what they need to do and all of that. And you're just thinking about yourself. Um, so for me, I was like, oh, my God, like, I can't believe I'm wasting his time. Poor guy's waiting. He shouldn't have to wait. It's not even just being on time. It's saying, I want you to know that I respect you and I respect your time. And it is valuable. And I, I, I'm not many. It's not to say that most. So I know there's a lot of people out there that are chronically late to events or, or things. And it's not to say that those people necessarily disrespect the, the people that um, are waiting for them. Some people have just a really bad habit with time management. Um, for, for me personally, I, I don't think I have a bad habit with time management, but I think I do um, tend to forget things quite easily or get confused. And for some strange reason in my head, it was three o'clock. And I think I even told you, you yeah, I told you three o'clock and I had it set in my head three o'clock. And I was like, what is this guy doing? Why is he messaging me at one o'clock? I'm like, is he that desperate to be here? And then I was in the car and, you know, you shouldn't be checking your phone while you're driving. I was quickly scrolling through the messages and it was one o'clock. And then I remember from high school, you were the detail oriented one. Like anytime we had an exam or an assignment, you would always pay attention to the details and we were a bit wishy-washy we're like oh wait is the assignment due on that day or do we have actually was there homework to do blah 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 and, and you would never get anything wrong i remember in, in the sense that your memory is like an elephant and i should have i should have i shouldn't have even questioned you because initially i'm like no no he's wrong there's no way i said one o'clock but um no i appreciate you kind of um waiting and being quite understanding what was going through your head my first thought was like after I messaged you, because it's like kind of easy to see into your yeah. place. I was like, Creep. "There's no, <laughs> I'm a stalker." Um, it, I was like, "There's very clearly no one home." Yeah. So I was like, my first thought was, "I've stuffed up." So I'm like checking the messages. And I'm like, "No, I'm not going crazy." It because that. Because I, I think in one of the messages I even said, like we were talking about which Sunday, and then I like replied, yeah. I'm like, this specific Sunday, <laughs> and and I'm like, as soon as you're like, yes, I'm like, right, it's in my calendar, yeah, yeah. it's set, 19. it's like the 19th of June, one o'clock, yeah. and then like throughout the week, I'm like, I need to remember, it's this Sunday at one o'clock. Yeah. I'm like very, I think I'm very good at keeping my appointments. Yeah. Um. But I think it's also, I'm just very time structured mm. with how I run. But I also think it's because at work, <clears throat> it's very time structured. Yeah. Like I'll have like, say five patients and I'll know that they're at like X whatever times during the day. And I'll be, I'll like always refer to them by their time. Like mm. my 1130 patients not here yet yeah. or like, like my one o'clock patient's not here i have lunch at twelve thirty. Yeah. like so like my entire day is just based on time and i'll be like i'm 20 minutes into this consult i need to i've only got 10 more minutes I need to finish this one so like everything about is like day time like i'm just i think Very structured. 
just very structured. So if someone says, let's go hang, I'll be like, when, where, how far in advance? Like, I need to think, like, if they tell me it's at two o'clock, I'm like, will I have enough time to get from point A to point B? Like, is there is there enough time to do that? I don't want to feel rushed or anything. I should mention that Mioli is an optometrist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, sorry, like the introduction wasn't, wasn't very detailed, but yeah, Mioli is... Um, a qualified optometrist and <laughs> um, his wife is actually also an optometrist and runs her own events planning business too which is an interesting topic that we'll, I'd love to get into to like into the conversation um, but I, yeah when I was like while Sam uh, sorry while Mioli and I were waiting for Sam to arrive like we were having an interesting conversation about this specific topic around um, time and structure and as you guys know like Sam and I are ENFPs and as peas, we are very much spontaneous and we can be a bit impulsive in terms of flexible in terms of how we operate. Um, so if somebody said, so like we get a message, what, what time is it right now? It's 3.27. So if somebody messaged us at 3.27 and said, hey, let's meet up at four o'clock. We're like, all right, like, let's do it. Like, and we don't even need to know where or when, like that's the detail in my head. It's like, well, I will get a message soon enough, like, you know, within the next couple of minutes and we'll work it out. But like, just give me the gist of it. Like we're meeting up at, I don't know, um, whoop whoop, right? Now, the interesting conversation I had with Mioli is as a J, it's like, no, um, whenever I would get a message like that and you were saying examples when we're back when we were in high school, probably even a university um, and that we would say, let's catch up and we would be very ambiguous and vague as a group. You'd be like, no, I'm not going. Like this was late notice. Um, I haven't even thought about what I'm going to wear or like the route or the plan, like you're planning how to get there. And I just thought like, I was just telling Daniel, I was like, man, like it's just, it's amazing how different everyone is in terms of how like they think and operate. Because I always thought from the prism of my lens, which is like, everyone thinks the same thing. It's just like, yeah, I'll just, I'll just get up, throw whatever I have, like, you know, some random piece of outfit on, um, et cetera. And it's not to say that I'm not like a structured person, by the way. Like I have also aspects where I'm very routine based. So um, just to give me all a bit of insight into his, you know, long lost friend over the years, <laughs> what kind of person he is. Um, so I will, uh, you know, without fault, will wake up every morning um, around, I think it's around 6 a.m., right? It's just there's an internal body clock. Like I don't need an alarm. Like I will just wake up at, like my body's like 6 a.m., Oh, first thing I'll do is, you know, use the, the bathroom, you know, for what? Number two, that is, <laughs> I should clarify, I should clarify. There's a lot of dirty minds out there. <laughs> so I will, you know, use the bathroom. I will then have a shower because of number two. <laughs> I will then have a shower. And then from the, sh- like, I will have a warm shower followed by a cold shower because I like to put myself in uncomfortable situations, Daniel. And then, um, and it sucks because like Sydney has really had like a lot of cold, like it has been a very cold lately, right? We've had these cold snaps. Um, so switching the water to cold is like, I don't, I don't know if you have, um, cold, if you ever had cold showers, Daniel, but it's not, it's not great. Um, maybe you can even tell us in a second. So from there, I will then brush my teeth again, um, wash my face, you know, do my hair, then put on my, uh, do pray, put on my clothes, all that stuff. Like 
uh, this is all the way up until like I have to start work without fault, even on the weekends. And then, you know, attending training, like I'm very regimented in that sense. And I have the clock inside my head where I know like generally like, okay, I have to do this like half an hour before then. So that like it's, it somehow works in my head, but I don't have it defined on a paper. And I think it's because it's not very defined in my head. I don't, I'm not so rigid about it if it like if it doesn't work out um but i also do build internal buffers in my head so i know like oh, should something happen i know i've got a leeway in there um but yeah so going back to like daniel it's like when when you when you said that um uh this here we go this is my amnesia kicking in <laughs> but when, when when daniel was um t saying that essentially I, I have no idea like where my train of thought where he got lost just then oh that's right that's right that's right thank god i have a twin <laughs> half a brain each yeah yeah yep yeah. so oh, and i just lost it again <laughs> what did you just say no 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 very particular very particular with this um yeah but like in the sense of um like yeah so you said that's right that's right so um you wouldn't go out otherwise because like it doesn't fit into your schedule right and i thought man that is that is so interesting because now i've met a number of people who are listening to this podcast who actually told me that, that like they live by their diary and it's just like i can't attend an event i won't do something um, if it doesn't fit into my diary and i was like what well, people actually also have like diaries like yeah i thought we only had it for work like and you should see my work diary it's like it's just everywhere, like in terms of notes. Whereas I've seen other people like they will put the date at the top, you know, and it would be like, you know, uh, the subject matter at the top. Like I'm sure it's different because you probably have your client name, your 2 p.m., your 11.30, and you probably write a few notes about, you know, this person's got a cataract, we remember that or something like that. But when I see people like at, that at work and when they, yeah, use the um, highlighters and everything, I, I, for me personally, I'm just like, God, I wish I could be like that, you know? There's a part of me that, and I am like that during trips, so when we go overseas, because I don't like leaving a lot of things to chance, but otherwise in my like general life, I can't, I can't be like that. Um, but I wanted to ask you, Mioli, um, like, do you feel that because you are that way, it makes your life easier? Or do you, from your perspective, look at us and think, I wish I could just be a bit more flexible and like, how do they do it? And um, Or do you look at us and think like, what a bunch of animals, <laughs> so uncivilized, why is it they don't have diaries? Why, like, how do they get anything done? Uh, I think I probably look at it as uh, I, I no, I, I wish I could be flexible. Like, I, I think sometimes I, 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 I like to think that I'm flexible in the sense that if if something changes, like if something else comes up mm -hmm. that we need to like swap things around, yeah. I'll be like frustrated mm. but i'll just do it because there's no sense in complaining about it um so then um uh, but i think i like say for example like i do like everything to be as structured as possible so when we went on like my wife and i went on our honeymoon like it was like planned everything exactly where we were going what time how long we will spend at certain places my wife was just like like i think she's she's a es esfj so we're basically just the same she's just extroverted um and she was like yep let's plan this out so it's like 
a really bad idea to have two like really good planners to like organize everything and i think she's a much better organizer than i am mm. so like if i forget something or like if i if i'm like i know i have an appointment on such and such time i'll be like when was it and she'll know immediately Whoa. um well like she'll like have to refer to a diary she doesn't remember at the top of her head (laughs) so she has a diary too she has several diaries personal and like work-based phone phone like journal Mm. like physical and virtual diaries we'll say Mm. um but it's like so it's like very easy for her to access be like yep it's at this time like even if it's got nothing to do with her she'll still put it in her diary because she likes to know what I'm makes it sound very controlling. No, 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 no. like she likes to know what <laughs> I'm doing Twice. so that she, oh, <laughs> I'd like to order a pizza. Um, so what was, what was I saying? Controlling. I, no, <laughs> Tracy, you're not controlling. I know you're listening. um so so i'll like be able to like get any extra information off her but i get like if something goes way out of whack like for example like on a honeymoon we're in singapore and there was like a gap in the itinerary Mm. and i we were like what do we do so like let's just walk around because we're like i think we were near the um what's that strip club (laughs) <laughs> yes yeah we were we were like somewhere between like lunch and then we had a reservation at um the hotel mm-hmm. for dinner and we we're like we don't have anything to do so we're like we'll just walk around we'll sightsee mm-hmm. and we walked for about 20 minutes and like i can't there's nothing to see there's no sightseeing so we're just walking around and just like random singaporean streets mm-hmm. i just got so angry oh. and i'm just like i'm wasting my time okay. because I'm and it was like hot, humid. Yeah. So I was like, that was making me just feel uncomfortable. Mm. So I was just getting so angry, and my wife could tell that I was getting like upset. She's like, "What's wrong?" And I'm just like, "I'm bored." <laughs> so I'm like, that's "Yeah." So that that's actually very very fascinating very because so basically, my wife and I are the opposite of both you and Tracy. So you said you and Tracy are both senses. My wife and I are both intuitives. And so when we go on holidays or when we went on our honeymoon, um, again, like what Eli was saying, I generally had an idea or a plan of what to see, where to go and and things that I might want to explore. But I I didn't break it down like to such detail where I knew how long I was going to spend there, you know, or when I was exactly going to get there. Um, The reason being was, I kind of keep things open-ended. Um, I, I try to give myself flexibility. As long as I can kind of see the, the, the attractions that I want to see or have a general idea of where I should be, um, I'm pretty satisfied. But I, I don't like to over-plan um, because for me, then I feel like I can't really enjoy the moment. And, I, and then it feels very formal and curated. So interestingly enough we both actually like to get lost when we travel when i say lost i mean sometimes we just we wake up and we have a general idea of a plan of of, you know know, where we want to go we're like you know what we're not feeling it today let's just go wander the streets and see where kind of life takes us um is it cold we can close the door okay so we're like let's see where life takes us and 
we would walk for hours and hours and would find like these really great cafes and stores and end up at random museums and we could walk probably for one or two hours and that would be like the highlight of the day for us because sometimes like again we would we would get to a point sometimes where things were would be too planned where we're like oh but i'm not really feeling i'm like okay now i've ticked this off the box and i've checked this one and i've checked that one and i know a lot of people are actually more similar to you than they are to us and they probably look at us and they're like what is, what, but how are you going to see all the attractions in time and how are you going to do everything that you want to do and for me it's actually the opposite i'm like i don't really need to check everything of uh, like every every box i just want to have a like a really good experience be in the moment and have a general idea of where i'm going and where where i should be going but that's about it otherwise i feel quite suffocated and i think my wife is very similar as well but I, i've actually look i'll be honest with you even at work when i'm in meetings and i see other people taking down notes and people diarizing things i generally like to just keep it in my head and because i know that even when i write it down i never actually go back and never. look at it and even the same thing used to happen in high school. You know how people would write down notes for their for their exams or they'll be in class. I'm like, okay, look, everyone else is writing down I notes. Guess yeah. I guess I should be writing down notes too. But I'm like, I'm not learning anything from this. It just feel, makes me feel less guilty. And then when it comes to the exam, all I do is literally open up the textbook and read through the textbook, mm. speed read initially, then read it again, and then do questions. But I've, I've never actually, if I'm genuinely honest with myself and to everyone else, looked at my notes now they know at work when i'm writing down notes there there's a very low probability of me looking back on those notes everything comes down to my memory which isn't exactly the the sharpest but um that's just how my brain operates and i actually when you were speaking i was so so fascinated I'm like it's almost like speaking to an alien and i'm like how do you do that how do you like have these multiple diaries and how can you like how can you be so, so not in a negative way how are you so, so able to be regimented in that sense it just it for me it's, it's i'm in awe and equally shocked as well it's um it's interesting i want to also understand um from your perspective daniel like you said when um i felt bored and that made me feel um angry and i, I really want to understand um like the the thinking or like how you get how you got to like mentally like you know i don't have any activities planned therefore i'm bored therefore i'm 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 angry like i want to really understand that but bef- like before i pass the mic as you sam like reminded me about something during university days so we both studied law and commerce and um so when i remember when we started law school like we had all these kids who had these laptops yeah. and like you know would be sitting in class this is first g law school and then we like type like like it's it was different the setup it's like we had small classes um so it wasn't like big lecture halls like i think law is one of those few exceptions i'm not too sure about optometry mioli but um it's kind of set up like a tutorial um and anyway so you have these these students and they're on their laptops and typing away the notes as the like lecturer is speaking even though we have lecture notes and like then you have these you know two two chumps from western sydney because most of them are from the northern suburbs and like the eastern suburbs um so you have these two chumps with their you know notepad and like we weren't really writing much or whatever we we're just listening my brother and i and but then i got intimidated i was like holy i'm like why does everyone have laptops and they're typing away like should i be typing something like should we, you know should i have a laptop and then um i remember like 
we we approached our dad and said hey like we we need laptops yeah. <laughs> and i mean back then like i i think people think you know but everybody has a laptop but back then like not that it was very long ago it was 2014 right was still a while ago <laughs> yeah shit well, when we first started uni 2009 right oh yeah. shit that's right 2009 yeah. 2009 is when we started so laptops not everyone had it especially at uni except you know we i mean there's a lot of rich wealthy kids that do law so um so yeah like we asked our dad and we're both like ask two of us asking for laptops at the same time and so yeah like my dad's like what and we're like because it was pretty expensive like so we ended up getting those little tiny notebooks. notebooks yeah and i remember we got it and like what a big waste of money that was because good for you too, really. yeah, <laughs> all we did is instead of now listening to the lecture in class we had access to the internet we would be reading the news watching youtube videos silently or like doing something which was like crypto you know we could have made a killing that's another story like yeah <laughs> It was just like it was so like so wasteful and pointless for people like with our personalities because just like we we wrote like a couple of notes i remember in one note and i'm just like you i'm like i'm never going to reread this over this over again and my mind is like so efficient i'm like i'm sure there's somebody out there who's smarter who's better at organizing themselves who writes better than like notes so i just went and bought the notes online from somebody that already (laughs) it's ethical it just means somebody made a business out of it and i was outsourcing my um you know, I didn't have them write my essay or exam. Like, I'm, I'm getting a bit of judgment here. <laughs> like, look, maybe that happened once. No, I'm just kidding. Maybe. Who knows? But yeah, the question is for Daniel, which is, um, I really want to understand because you're not the first person to tell me this. This is why I'm so interested. And it's like genuinely interested because I, I like understanding how people think so that I can um, respect their point of difference. Because like when I'm bored, I... We'll just I think we were talking about this I like it doesn't bother me I'll just look around and think you know for example what is something I can do you know I look around the house like I see a fish tank over there I'm like yeah maybe I'll play around with the fish a little bit like clean up the tank um, you know maybe do some gardening I don't know like look watch a YouTube video about like mixed martial arts like it was just something will pop into my head or maybe hey I should talk to my friends or something um, and if I'm overseas like you said I'd be like Let's wander around. Let's see. Yeah. Let's let's explore the um, what's the saying? The the unpaved road or let's oh, the road not taken. The road not taken. Robert Frost. Robert Frost. Oh, yeah. So you can tell who's the smarter twin. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, t- tell me, Muley. What went through your your head when you got agitated? I think it comes from possibly two reasons. I think from high school onwards, I think everything just became it just became just everything was just structured mm. so it was pretty much like primary school was just like whatever mm. you wake up go to school do what you need to come home and do like one hour's worth of homework and mm. then you can play and do whatever but when it got to high school it was like wake up have breakfast go to school learn mm. come home have a break and then study because i had in my mind if i don't get to year 12 and do the hsc mm-hmm. i'm not going to be successful i'm not going to like like my life is not worth it i haven't like achieved anything yeah so it was very much like i need to allow x amount of time to study mm-hmm. and then i felt like if i studied for two hours a day 
that would be probably enough. I would, I would feel satisfied that I got the job done. Mm -hmm. And then I would eat dinner, watch TV, play games or whatever, and then go to bed and then just repeat the structure. And because it was like five days a week, always the same routine, Mm -hmm. I just got comfortable Mm -hmm. with it. And then uni came and then it was pretty much the same thing again, slightly longer, more study. So I just was like, I've already done this. I can just keep going. So pretty much my entire day was filled up by one activity, Mm. just studying. So when I need to do multiple things, it needs to fill up the entire day because I'm so used to just actively always doing stuff. Mm. If I have nothing to do, I don't feel like I'm achieving anything. And if I don't feel like I'm achieving anything, then what's the what's the aim of what I'm of doing, if that makes sense. Another question for you, Daniel, actually, because I, I, I find mm, it very, very interesting. So the way I look at it, I was telling my brother initially is Daniel is the first sensor that we actually have have had on this podcast. Mm. And but he's borderline sensor. Uh, he's borderline sensor. So he literally sensor. sits on the cusp. 51%. 51%. But even then, I still find it interesting because I, I can see the more sensory... Um, borderline sensor. Your borderline sensor as well. But still, I feel like he, the way he perceives the world is, is somewhat different or the way you kind of interact and engage with the world is different to us intuitives. And without, without you saying anything offensive about myself, <laughs> I was going to say growing up, because obviously we grew up together... Um, did you notice any um, significant differences in kind of how we would view and engage with the world compared to yourself? Did you, did you at some point say to yourself, maybe in high school, you're like, damn, th- these guys are odd. Like, why would they do that or say that? Or why do they look at things in this particular way? Did that ever cross your mind just out of curiosity? No. I think I, I, I felt like everyone, for some reason, like, I always felt like the quote-unquote dumb person of the group. Like, I thought I was the least smart. Wow. So, um, uh, so like, I, I always thought I was, like, the least smart. So, I just assumed I'm doing my structured thing of, like, studying. So, it means I need to study harder. So, I need to be more structured. They must be more structured. So, I just automatically assumed everyone else is studying a lot so i need to do the same thing Mm. um and so it was like i just i guess projected my own thoughts on everyone else without observing that you were necessarily like behaving any different because i didn't see anyone after school i was like they've all gone home they're studying so i was gonna quickly before eli takes because it was still my turn to talk Eli. it's funny that you say that because I actually thought you were the smartest one in the group. Like when I say yeah. smartest, I thought I'm like this guy is the natural. He's naturally the most intelligent one in the group. Like I remember your ability, the way you would think, your thought process was so kind of systematic. Mm. And even now, just watching you speak, not not that I'm psychoanalyzing you, you can, but I am, but I am. <laughs> yeah, but I am. I can see that you're thinking quite deeply before you're you're responding or choosing to speak, and that's a that's a clear sign of intelligence because you're very thoughtful and very um, calculated before speaking. And, but it's funny that you actually thought we were more intelligent, 
or smarter than, than you. And the funny thing is, if anything, we were far more unstructured because I'll be honest, by the time we came back from school, we would have eaten all of that, but we were playing games, uh, video games, watching Hillary Duff, watching Hillary <laughs> Duff. yeah, watching t- oh, a crap load of TV. And you, actually, you, we could relate to you a lot because you would probably watch just as much TV as, mm. as us. And I think maybe it was the others that were studying. Maybe we're wrong about them as well. But it's funny that you thought you weren't, you weren't as smart as everyone else because I think we all looked at you and we're like, this guy is the smart one in the group. A hundred percent. I was I, every time I would look at you, Daniel. I I would look at you with amazement. <laughs> um, no, I I would I would definitely think to myself like this guy, like you said, Sam. He's the probably the naturally the most intelligent guy in the group. And yeah, I didn't know you were studying two hours every day. Um, and like in terms of us, we were definitely not structured. Like I would come back from school and he was like, change my clothes, eat, watch Lizzie McGuire, cats and dogs. Um, do a bit of homework, stop. Watch like, YouTube. yeah, I would, I, I would do a bit of homework, but it was like, it was not very structured. Like I'd be listening like in year 12 HSC, I would be listening to Josh Groban music as I'm doing my work and like Celine Dion. And I don't know, reading about, uh, oh, this is, this is an interesting one. I, I was that guy who would like get onto Wikipedia back in those days and it was a rabbit hole for me. I don't know how I was a voracious like absorber of information and I would find like rent and you, Daniel, actually, you are the one that got me into Listverse, if you remember. Do you remember Listverse? I feel like that's so long ago. It's so long ago. <laughs> yeah. But Listverse is basically a website of like randomness, right? Random so vibes. they'll give you like the top 10, you know, um, mysteries of the world or um, like it was always like a list of top 10 something and like so random like and I remember like there was a one article about like that lady who spontaneously combusted yeah, and I'm just like so you're the one who actually got me into it I, I completely forgot but um, yeah I, I was a heavy procrastinator um, now it's interesting you say the other guys like maybe they were thinking the same thing about us like these guys must like be studying a lot because like from our perspective, I would look at our other friends and think, damn, like they must be really like going at it in terms of the books. And I would feel guilty in the sense that I'm not doing enough. And I don't even remember like how many hours I was staying because it was so broken up, with, you know, like at night, I know we would like watch Chases and like it's just Law and Order. Order and it would be like one more episode, one more episode. And then our mom would tell us, you guys are going to fail. <laughs> like. And I don't even know, like, yeah, it's just interesting. It's very, very interesting. But what you said you wanted to ask me earlier a question. Oh, I had another question for you as well. So it's interesting because initially I wanted to get your perceptions of us. And if you thought, so to hear you say that you thought we were more intelligent or whatever, that's very interesting. And I think my other question was, um, now I've lost my train of thought. I'll take over. Let's switch some topics. Like I noticed um, that you and Mioli both have a nervous habit. So like Sam, you shake your legs and Mioli, you pick at your skin in, on your no, fingers. No, no, like that cuticle. Is it, the, is it called the cuticle? Yeah. Yeah. And um, what are you guys nervous about? I think just being in Daniel's presence. <laughs> no, I think um, for me, I understand why I do this. It's a whole like self-soothing subconscious thing because I was late and all of that and I haven't had a chance to kind of really process. I asked the the boys to, oh, I asked my brother to at least bring me some boba tea back with him and he didn't. And I was hoping to use that to kind of like just mellow out. 
And this is the same thing happened with Charmaine when she was on the on the podcast. We had literally just finished cleaning the entire house, and then I never, I didn't really get the chance to kind of just sit down and like <gasps> breathe. And now I'm like, we started this podcast, <clears throat> and my energy levels were ready. Well, not my energy, my cortisol levels were elevated. So cortisol is like your stress hormone. Um, and I'm like, how do I bring it down? How do I bring it down? And so naturally, I have like all this pent up energy because of my elevated cortisol levels. So I'm just shaking. And you actually would understand this pretty well, Daniel, because you've got like that background in the whole sciences and medicine. But um, you probably said you're probably looking at me like this is wrong. <laughs> but uh, I feel like my cortisol levels are elevated, and I'm just trying to shake out this excess energy because I don't know what to do with it right now. But I don't know why you're picking at your fingers. It's because I have a serious ice addiction. No, <laughs> um, I don't. I don't know why I do it because I do. I, I do have a like. I tend to shake my leg a lot. Like you, like enough that will like rock the table sort of thing. But. I, <laughs> I can't swim. Um, I, yeah, like I always pick up my nails or bite my nails. Um, yeah. Did you ever suffer from anxiety? Because I actually, I don't know if you know this about me, and most people don't have never picked up on it, but I actually have or had high levels of anxiety. Like I get anxious really quickly. Um, say, for example, back in the day, particularly during like, I, I think you mentioned once with presentations you would get super nervous mm. Eli I actually would get nervous but he, when, I remember when you were around me your nervousness would make me more nervous that's mm. why I would say to you stop being nervous mm. and um, so people also yeah so people never really understood this about me but I actually have I would be I think I would consider myself a highly anxious person and when people meet me it's weird because their, their perception is you're very intimidating you seem to have it all together even just hearing you before say you know you guys seem like you kind of were more intelligent i'm like no 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 no. i'm like i'm actually i'm actually an idiot <laughs> <laughs> i'm an idiot <laughs> yeah not that far but uh, above average but but um i have high levels of anxiety where i start to overthink things even with this podcast sometimes i, I think to myself beforehand i'm like okay what are we going to talk about like just a general idea so i can kind of get a natural flow um but that just stems from anxiety and i Again, I don't know if you're the same thing. Would you say you ever suffered from anxiety or you had hidden anxiety? Um, I would say yes, because I think there was a period of like early high school where I would basically get to the gates of school mm -hmm. and then start walking back out mm -hmm. and sometimes be on the verge of tears mm -hmm. and then just like be like, no, I need to get to school and then go back in to school. But I never really understood why I felt that. Like, I know there was a period of, um, like, there was a period of time where I was being bullied quite a bit by, like, no, like, random other, like, guys in our grade. And I was like, why are they picking on me? Why am I different? So it always made me, like, really worried to go to school about like what are they going to do next what are they going to find to pick on me for now but i think since then i'm always like just anxious in new situations or like i, I get i get worried easily like if something goes wrong at work i'll probably put the blame on myself first even if i have nothing to do with what's happening i'll like what did i 
do wrong that caused this situation? What could I have done different that would have prevented this from happening, even if it was something completely beyond, beyond my control and I was not involved in it all? Like, I think there was, like, in my new job at the moment, there was, like, an issue with a patient that was there before I even started. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, all I did was pass them their glasses mm-hmm. and then they started like complaining about them whatever and i'm like what did i do wrong but i'm like i haven't done i haven't dealt with this patient before i haven't done anything with them so i always like feel i've forgot my point that's all right Um, so no i appreciate you sharing that um i honestly that that sucks knowing that there were you know um people out there i i honestly i don't think my attention was very sharp back then um so i yeah it sucks to be get bullied um no one deserves that and i do remember there were a few um let's just say it assholes in our school <laughs> like, i can name names but you know why um so <laughs> yeah um and this is why everyone should learn mixed martial arts so when you do face these assholes you know no nah, i'm just kidding it's all about self-defense guys but if you need to you know choke them (laughs) but what i was going to ask is so you said you don't know where that nervousness was coming from and you would shift the blame internally onto yourself i'm just curious like why take the blame knowing logically that it has nothing to do with you because you have the self-awareness to say i know it has nothing to do with me but i'm trying to find any part that I can cling on to, which I can then inflict self-blame by the sounds of it. Hmm. That is a good point. Um, I think it, it may be because I do want to, I guess, like always improve myself. So there's, I'm always trying to find ways to, I guess, do things better. Like how can I be better at my job? And like, how can I be better at doing certain things? And I think if something goes wrong, then I'm normally like you'd make mistakes, you learn from it. But I think probably in my mind, I probably go from this is from like a good thing of like, this is a great learning opportunity to this is something that never needs to happen again. Mm -hmm. It's something that shouldn't happen. So I need to make sure it never happens again. Like I put... I think it's more like I put pressure on myself to, to like, like, yeah, like basically put pressure on myself to be better, Mm. but on something that I shouldn't actually need improving on. Where where is that pressure? Sorry, I was going to ask a question because I'm going to, I'm going to look at it from my perspective and more about myself and then see if that kind of relates to you as well. Would you say like you have people pleasing habits? Would you say you're a people pleaser? Because I know for me, my anxiety kind of stemmed from this need to be perfect. Um, And then this kind of stemmed from like trying to make everyone happy, everyone like me. Um, I wanted people to be like, you know what? We, this guy is very dependable or this person is very likable. Um, And so it's this constant need to please Right. And then when we're really when I'm really hard on myself, it's because I'm like, I've let people down or people are going to think um, this of me or, you know, like I, I didn't want anyone to have any negative perceptions of who I am. Um, 
and even if something wasn't my fault, I'm, I'm actually very similar to you at work. I'm like, someone might have really messed up and I'm not going to throw them under the table or anything. So I'm like, that's not going to achieve anything. But somehow I feel personally liable or responsible. And I'm like, and it actually affects me greatly. I, I still don't understand why to this day. But part of my, my thinking is it's this need to be seen as like perfect, reliable, um, you know, a person that we can kind of just depend on. I, and, I, and I don't really understand, again, like similar to yourself, I haven't gone probably deep enough behind it, but that's just how, that's how I understand it for now. No, did I throw it? Okay, <laughs> I pretty much threw it on you. But beyond that, well, we can we can shift the conversation from there, unless you want to go. No, no, I'm I'm happy to shift the conversation. I was going to say, um, while I was walking with uh, Daniel, um, you said that you have some pretty interesting stories in your line of work as an optometrist. So um, just for context, so Daniel worked out, I think in some way regional New South Wales and you and your wife, your, well, your wife today, um, <laughs> not that you had a wife before that, <laughs> but um, you and Tracy were living together out in regional New South Wales um, after you'd graduated. And um, you were saying that there was an issue specifically in that, in that area with ice addiction um, and so not only just that, but you had a lot of interesting patients. And honestly, I, I just want to hear some of your stories. Like, just give us the juicy stuff. Like, tell, And if you could, and I'm sure there's people out there who want to study optometry. Um, give us the positives and negatives about your profession. Because I know it's going to be somewhat different to the corporate culture. So I'm very curious. So I think I'll start with the positives to keep it lighthearted. So I think it is a very... So <laughs> I think Eli's needing to do a number two right now. Um, so, um, so I think it's, it's a very rewarding job. So it does, like, it tends to make quite a big difference in people's lives. And I like having that um, input. Because I think I like improving myself and I like trying to help improve others but i don't want to be a life coach so optometry is like close enough um but it's it's like i feel like i have an impact on their their lives like you can make a difference between someone like really like because there'll be patients who like really want to be able to like old patients who really want to be able to read their books because they're not able to go out they're too frail so they just sit home read their novels read the newspaper but they can't because their eyesight's bad so we'll find ways to like at least get their vision a little bit better or try and get things to be at least readable and then they'll bring that I guess that joy back into their into their lives um and then also it is um I guess fun because it's different every day like not not no two days are the same you'll have like for example one day will just be people coming in being like my eyes are sore on the computer the next day is i was hit by a truck please fix my eye and i'll be like go to the hospital like i'm not a surgeon um but it's it's always like it's always quite different um i'd say probably one of the negatives is that it can get because there's a very very fine line between optometry as a medical profession and optometry as a form of retail so basically every store every practice has to make money because if they don't they're going to shut 
the what's available through the government in terms of what Medicare pay is, lack of a better word, extremely small, extremely low. And I think the last few governments we've had, they've basically been reducing the amount of Medicare payments that are being made. And at some point, I think one of the governments actually froze it. So they stopped. They normally, like every couple of years, would start increasing them just with inflation and everything. But they basically froze it. So we're going backwards a little bit. So the only other way for um, stores to make money is by selling things. So there is like not so much like at my current job, I feel like I don't have that pressure. It's just like do what you need to. The store will run itself. The, but in previous jobs, it's been, you need to make this much money. It's your job to give people their glasses, give people contact lenses, find solutions for their problem. And then my argument was always glasses and contact lenses are not always the solution that someone will need based on their lifestyle, what their job is and everything. So I'm not going to like be based on how well I'm performing as as a definition of how good of an optometrist I am because I've been told that I'm good I'm I've been told by like co-workers that I'm good at my job but by the higher ups it's always you're not doing well enough and I'm like well I can't be really good at my job and really bad at my job at the same time it's either one or the other um and I think that sort of it does lead to a lot of job dissatisfaction, but that really is based on where you work. So not all optometrists are unhappy. Some work in the the corporate um, owned practices like OPSM and Specsavers, and they're perfectly fine. They're they're happy. It works for them. But I can't work in that sort of environment. There's too much pressure. I don't like feeling like someone's watching my shoulder with what I'm watching over my shoulder with what I'm doing or being like defined as a number like you sold this many glasses good job Mm. i'll be like i saw three patients none of them needed glasses what do you want me to do about it Mm. so i think that's one of the biggest negatives with it and i say the other one is that dealing with people on a daily basis can get extremely tiring because you hear a lot of i guess excuses for certain things but also some people like 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 patients will sometimes view it as you're trying to sell them glasses mm. but it's like i'm doing the testing i can tell you you need glasses they're going to make a difference and i'm like i'm not trying to sell you glasses you actually need them and then it gets to sometimes it gets to the point we need to give them an ultimatum that you either get glasses or your license will be revoked oh, like we do have we do yeah we do have that power to if your vision is low enough we can alert service new south wales to basically cancel your license um so if patients are like willing they're like okay i'll get glasses we'll be like it's going to be marked on your license blah 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 but it's fine that's the end but if someone tries and starts arguing it's like what's i'm not making the rules i'm telling you this is what This is what you're able to see. This is what you can be able to see. This is the solution. There's no other way around it. So it's sort of, you you get, it gets quite tiring trying to convince people when they don't think they have a problem, but they also think you're trying to sell them stuff. Because like a lot of like the ads around optometry are like, 
get two glasses for one ninety nine. Should have gone to Specsavers. Yeah. Blah blah blah. No, I won't say that. Um, <laughs> the yeah, so it's like a lot of the ads are around like cost of things. So if you then then it gets to the point the person will be like, yes, I need glasses, I need contacts or whatever. The next issue is that they then have to be able to buy the glasses in the same practice that you're testing in because if they don't, then that money goes to someone else. So there is a lot of pressure that you have to essentially convince them to get the glasses from the same practice and preferably on the same day. Um, but that's mostly how corporates tend to view it is if they haven't come back on the same day, you haven't done your job. Whereas like some practices will be like, if they don't have time to look, they're not going to, they're obviously not going to buy their glasses. They might want to have a browse of every single frame, try everything on. So they know they've made the right decision. And it's sort of like, don't put that prayer. Cause I don't want to have that, um, put that pressure on them because then I'll feel guilty about it for the rest of the day mm. sort of thing. Um, but yeah, another positive now that we've dipped well into the negative. Sorry to interrupt. That was very interesting, but let's actually, let, let, I want you to tell us like a very random, unusual story that you've had to deal with. And I think you have in the past, cause I remember I had my eyes checked by you when I was in, I think I came to the Newtown store at one point and I, um, I, I understand that sometimes optometrists, they can, when they're inspecting your eyes or evaluating your eyes, they can even tell if you have like a brain tumor, right? That's what I've, what, what I've heard. And I think I might've asked you when you were testing my eyes, have you ever had an instance where you were looking at a person's eyes and you, you noticed that they potentially might've had a brain tumor? or some other medical condition that they might not be aware of through through the fact that, through simply just evaluating their eyes, you know, general eye checkup. I did have one patient that we managed to, eventually we diagnosed, well, I didn't diagnose them, but eventually diagnosed with MS. And they basically had just a, like the slightest bit of eye pain like they were sort of grading it like maybe three out of 10. So just something that was just there wasn't really causing any issue. And um, they were sort of um, like describing it being like, oh, it gets worse when I read. And they were like in their mid forties. And I'm like, it's probably just aging. They probably just need reading glasses. But so like throughout the like testing time, I'm always just thinking, what do I need to test next? What can it possibly be? So I'm always just like, constantly trying to figure out what, what needs to be done. And I basically did all the testing and I was like, it's how, it's like, it doesn't quite make sense. There's something I'm missing. And, and then I had, um, I was saying to Eli before, before, I had a very like legally blonde moment with this patient where it was like, she's in the courtroom and she's heard her say that she had a perm and then she had a shower. So she's like immediate, like that's the that's the like that's the answer to everything. So it was like he said just offhand, "Oh, my eye hurts more if I look to the side." And in in optometry, anything where like everything is essentially a clue. So he just said it offhand because he just happened to 
look and i was like have you noticed that before and he's like no i've only like that's the first time he's noticed it happened and i said does it hurt more or less or the same and he said it hurts a lot more i'm like what's a lot more and he's like oh it's like eight out of ten i'm like that's not normal um and so i was like let me just double check everything again and then i checked i'm like it still doesn't make sense and i'm like there's only two things that can potentially cause that sort of increase in pain is either that one of his eye muscles has basically just spontaneously torn apart which can't physically happen i don't think or his optic nerve is swollen and it, you can have a swollen optic nerve where on just a general examination you can't see it because the nerve itself is probably i think two and a half to three millimeters long but all we can see when we look at the eye is just the front surface of we can't see what's happening behind it unless the swelling is happening at the start of the nerve and i was like that's the only thing that it can possibly be it's an emergency you need to go to the eye hospital and so i was like i sent them up to the eye hospital and i wrote him like gave the referral i'm like i think this patient has optic neuritis please assess please review and then he came back like maybe a couple of weeks later being like thank you you saved my life and i'm like i was like and you are like my i i have really bad memory with patients and their faces and he's like thank you you saved my life and i'm like uh-huh <laughs> no just quickly is that because um so wait if you pick out m m sorry ms multiple sclerosis early is wait is, is multiple sclerosis treatable mm, it's manageable but it's not curable right. um but it was i don't know well he said it was ms but you don't necessarily die from it so i wonder if he had something else and he just called it ms because the thing with like the public hospital system is that they don't give you a, a letter back so you don't know what mm. actually happens unless you send and request and because i forgot what his name was mm. i can't get it yeah. um but he was just like that was like one of the things was like i feel good that i picked up on him saying that because there'll probably be other optometrists that will he would have said that and been like eh, whatever mm. um because he had no other signs n no other symptoms that was the only thing and I was like, if he just didn't happen to look around or even like vocalize that that was happening, it would have been missed. Like it probably would have come up later, but it, a little bit too late. So I was sort of um, grateful for it. But what was the original question you just said? <laughs> Sorry, my question was because um, he basically thanked you for saving his life. That's what yeah. you said. I'm not sure if you were like, as in like he was exaggerating, but... Did you actually save his life by catching this out early? Is that is that so? If you if you pick up on this condition in the early stages, is that a really good outcome? Because as you pointed out, it's more manageable. Maybe at the if if you catch it out early. Yeah. I don't know how far progressed he was, mm. um, so I don't know whether he was being like overly dramatic because for like the same reason i said before i don't think you can die from ms unless it's like really severe mm -hmm. um so and it's also because i don't know if he actually had ms that's what he said he had um and he also said but he, because he also told me he was like hospital bound for a few weeks and so i wasn't sure like 
what was going on there but because I don't know exactly what he was diagnosed with I don't know if I've actually saved his life or if he was just giving me like um an idea of like how 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 like he felt I guess very interesting you've got Dr. House here basically (laughs) I don't know if you guys remember Dr. House but like when you were talking it literally reminded me of those episodes where like it would literally be like something so minor insignificant that gives the clue and then like they do I think they were sometimes referred to like their old textbooks or whatever confirm and validate it and it'd be like oh this is the reason it's like there's mold in your apartment and then it's caused something something um yeah a part of me is a bit jealous and envious daniel because like um here's a fun fact that i actually wanted to study diagnostic medicine um you know if i could but i failed the umat and my dad wouldn't let me he wouldn't pay the um, 500 dollars for me to sit it again <laughs> so <laughs> i never got into medicine um but like yeah i really wanted to get into diagnostic medicine but you you also made an interesting point that i can resonate with and it was the comment about there are people within the practice who essentially because it's been corporatized or commercialized it's just a matter of like i need to just hit my numbers you know get my sales etc so you start to get so you start treating people as like numbers or as a commercial product and for me, that's one of my biggest frustrations is being just seen as um, basically I'm just, I think, uh, what do you call it? A commercial opportunity to you. And that's why I have a real issue with like modern medicine today, especially like GPs, because I don't know if you can relate to the same thing, but like you, it's very hard to find a good GP, right? Um, and a lot of it, and we've talked about this in the previous podcast, but it's like, I will attend, um, you know, see a physician and I, I I talked about this last podcast, but like there was one particular GP, she came out and she was new to this practice I normally attend and she gave me a business card. I still, it still sticks in my head to this day. I'm like, why is she in a suit? And why did she give me a business card? <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I'm, I, it just sucks to hear that it's also, that's um, pretty much like, you know, we have those aspects within optometry. Um, that it's being commercialized to the point, like you said, like I can understand that. It's just like, I just want to make a difference. I want to make an impact. Why should I tell a person they should wear glasses when they don't need it? Because from what I understand, like if a person wears glasses when they really don't need it, it actually might um, worsen their situation because they're, I'm always jumping in. That is false. (laughs) (laughs) You can't, you're the, the, that's sort of one of the things that comes up a lot is like, oh, I don't want to wear glasses because it'll weaken my eyes. Mm. And I, I just reply to them. I'm like, you need glasses because your eyes are weak. Mm. You, your, your eyes, they've done a lot of studies, particularly in kids, mm. where if they are not wearing, like if they're short-sighted and they don't wear their glasses, their short-sightedness gets worse really quickly. And for like, for the longevity that most people are living for now, that's going to be a real big problem later on in life for them. Um, so I'm always like on the defensive when people are like, my glasses will make my eyes worse. And I'd be like, your eyes are already bad. That is why you have glasses. <laughs> it, it, it's interesting that you point that out because it's not just optometry or, or even just, you know, physicians now. Like the dentists, they're, they're very similar in the sense that sometimes I feel like they push for you to get, um, what do you call it? If, if you've got, not rotting, a feeling, yeah like they'll they'll really really push for for you to come in regularly and get these um 
you get your checkups, which is fine. Like everyone should go to the dentist and get a checkup. But I, I like for me personally, I, I had my dentist call me up the other day. Like normally I reach out to them and now they're reaching out to me and they're like, you know, there's some more feelings that you need and blah, blah, blah. But based on the previous discussion, it wasn't material enough for me to come in and get the feeling. Like it was, it was just starting and they said, look, we'll carefully watch it, blah, blah, blah. And I know it's better to kind of deal with the issue um, straight away, but it's like they were chasing me up and they said, you know, there's two more feelings. And to be fair, it's very expensive to, to constantly have um, your, your teeth sorted out every time there's, a, there's an issue. And I don't think they, they um, because you don't really see how much it costs until after the fact. So you, you've, you've gone in, they've fixed the issue and then you get the bill and you're like, oh my God, there's another two or three fillings after this. Um, and then I, I, what I normally do is I, I delay it so it kind of can pass on to the next insurance period. But yeah, so it's not just optometry. It's not just physicians. It seems like in the wider medical profession, they're, they're looking at it more commercially. Um, so my question to you, Daniel, then is, so the way I understand it, so if when I, when I want to get my eyes checked, I go to, to an optom, I go to one um, like, a place that sells glasses and then they have like the in-house optometrist would you say it's better for people to go directly to an optometrist outside of the um the stores does that make any sense because I, I never thought to myself hey maybe you could just go to an, an optometrist is a medical um, professional but for some reason i just always assumed if you want to go to an optometrist you find them inside a store i it just it only occurred to me just then when i'm sitting down here i'm like wait is there another way of reaching out to an optometrist? There are some um, what they call non-dispensing optometrists, which are just check your eyes. They'll like issue prescriptions for glasses, but they won't. You can't buy it from them. But there, there's only very few of them. So pretty much all optometrists are working in a glasses shop because that's like probably like fifty percent of our job is like finding out someone's prescription whether they need glasses or not and if they do they're right there on the floor to to purchase so it's pretty much like that's the only place i think we're legally allowed to work like we can't work in i think we can say like work in a medical center but we can't at least to my knowledge we can't like sell glasses at that point because it'd be the same as like going to the doctor and then being like buy this medicine like you go to the pharmacy to to do that we don't have quite that segregation in optometry where there's like this is the dispensing glasses side you that's its own shop Mm. and then you visit the optometrist so you just see them that'll be more like an optometrist versus an ophthalmologist which would be just more specialized eye health Mm. whereas optometry is the more general sort of thing Mm. so if you need to get your eyes tested you just go to a a glasses store because you, you like people will refer to the practice as an optometrist anyway mm. um just like people will go to the um uh what, are the, what did i just say the pharmacy yeah um and they'll like speak to the pharmacist and the pharmacist will recommend something for them so it's like pretty much the same thing but there's just more of a i guess like formal consult as opposed to a more ad hoc sort of just like discussion with the pharmacist yeah good another question for you i feel like we're interviewing you today um what made you choose optometry because now i'm going back into my memory bank and i'm thinking to myself in high school there was no indication from conversations that we've had or even your personality 
that you were going to do optometry or that you were even interested in eyes. And I, I, I actually was caught by surprise. And maybe you're very creative. Yeah, because you're, you're naturally a very creative person. Well, I know you like to sing and and play games and well, into K-pop, K-pop and anime and all that stuff. Like you, you have a you have a very interesting personality. As in, like there's a lot happening, and then you became an optometrist, or you went to study optometry. How, how did that decision process? What was the decision? Be- oh, so actually, take us through the decision making process, and what made you gravitate towards that specific area. Um, I think because pretty much throughout high school, I was pretty much set on I'm going to become a psychologist. Like that was my goal because I always just thought it was interesting, like how the brain works, how people function. I think because I'm just like just generally observant. I'm just like, how, how does like, like what decisions do people make and all that sort of stuff. But then I think it got to pretty much... I don't think I actually decided to even consider optometry until like year 12. So it was like pretty late of a decision. And I was sort of like, it was sort of like, I might do it, at least apply for it. Cause like the worst thing that will happen is I'll just get rejected from it. I won't get in. And then psychology is my next mm. option. Um, so I was like, we'll do, we'll do that. But then I, I was I don't even I can't remember what made me even consider doing it. I think it's like my one of my um like second cousins, I think, whatever however the family tree works, um, is also an optometrist. Mm. And I always just found it interesting in terms of what she did. Like the testing. It was like the equipment just looked very cool. Mm. I liked like looking at frames and just like looking at glasses and I just like started to have an interest in terms of like how does the eye work and I've always been very into sciencey sort of things like if I had my way I would have studied psychic psychics (laughs) (laughs) physics chemistry and biology all at the same time in in high school but I think the way the subjects all lined up is basically important we couldn't Mm. no one could study all three physics and biology I remember yeah yeah so I was like biology is more interesting than physics so Mm. I'll just do biology and chemistry (laughs) (laughs) um throwback to first year uni physics um and it's I think I just always have like that interest in terms of like how nature works and like how chemistry works so it's like what's one thing that i could do that like i guess builds all of that and like my first thought was medicine i'm like haha no way i'm doing that i can't like my marks are definitely not going to be high enough to to get into that um so i was like that's out of the question i was like optometry sort of similar it has diagnostics it has science it has a bit of biology it has a bit of chemistry it's got everything in it the part that I was sort of like umming and ahhing over is like the dealing with the people part because I just hate talking mm. to, to, well, sorry, I hate talking to strangers. So it was sort of like, I always felt a bit iffy about that. And then HSC time comes, send in all your um, like preferences and everything. And then um, sat UMAT. I remember we went to UMAT, ex- oh, we went to the UMAT exam at the same time. 
No, I ep- <laughs> I epically failed. It was such. It, I'm like, how do people pass this exam? Because it's like finish this pattern. I'm like, what pattern? I just see squares and dots, and like, I'm so like, and I'm like, great, this is really going into my. I'm so dumb complex yeah. right now, and then thinking that, um, I didn't. I didn't. I don't think I thought like, oh, he's going to, he's going to pass. Um, it was sort of um, like I failed. I'm like, okay, well, I'm not going to be able to get in. And then so when I get the um, preferences back, I'm like, oh, I didn't get optometry, yay. Um, but then I found out that um, if I did, so I end up finding out at the like the last second before this, um, we could do the submissions, like the preferences, is that. I can do just a Bachelor of Science for my first year and then just transfer in optometry if I do well enough. Um, and so I managed to somehow pull that off, even though almost failing maths in my first year. Um, somehow pulled that off. And then I did UMAT. I had to sit UMAT a second time because they wouldn't accept the first one. And I did worse. <laughs> <laughs> I did worse and somehow still got in. And I'm like... Did wow. they just let me in because I apply? Because <laughs> you're white. I have white male said? privilege. No. Because <laughs> I applied. Oh, because you applied. I thought he said because I'm white. I'm like, damn it. That might have been the reason. They, 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 <laughs> With diversity, diversity, they needed to meet their white person quota <laughs> because I was the only white male in, in our year. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, I completely forgot, and then now I remember that we did sit UMAT together, and I remember because it was freezing cold that morning, and they had us in some like warehouse. So like we were trying to I think take this test, which was ridiculous. I agree. Like you know, um, connect like you said these three circles, and what is like oh, oh what was the English component? Like we had to speed read, and I, I don't think you and I knew how to speed read, and it's like oh we had these kids around us flicking through their papers. And I was getting so intimidated, like, but we just got the paper. Like, how did you, how did you even get a chance to read like the questions? And then, um, yeah, yeah, I, I remember, I remember us being together. And then I like coming out of that, I, I felt like absolute shit. Like my dad was waiting for us outside too. And he was like, how'd you go, son? And I was just like, I think I fucking failed. <laughs> like, that five, whatever. It was like a couple hundred dollars like to sit that test. That's what I remember. But I was like, I spoke to some of the other kids. I'm like, hey, like, how are you going through the papers so fast? And, everything? and then apparently these motherfuckers, you know, like went to these prep schools for like six months, you know, and sometimes even longer, like learning how to take these um, psychometric examinations. And I was like, man, if this is not privilege or like, it's not necessarily privilege, but like Daniel and I didn't know any better. Like I had one practice paper I found online <laughs> and we were trying to study for the HSC at the same time. And we were doing ridiculous subjects like chemistry, biology and all of that. Um, so yeah, I just like, just, just for people out there, if you fail these tests, just remember, it doesn't necessarily mean or indicate that you're not intelligent. It just means you haven't prepped for it. And this is why I asked my father if I could take the test again, because when I found out, I was like, I could learn this. This is not hard, you know? And then like at work and corporate culture, they actually make you take these tests before you even can get a job, like as part of the graduation process and the interview process. So it's like not that hard, but yeah, time management also was a big deal. I remember. And like, why would you put us in a freezing warehouse like that? I couldn't, like it could barely function. 
Um, and you know, Safe, Safe was actually he was there, one of our other friends. So he was. So we became. I became actually so good friends with this individual that was sitting in front of me, who also was stressing out and was like, I could hear him cursing under his breath. And ironically, it's funny how fate and the universe works because he ended up because he failed medicine, getting into law school at UNSW, and we become. We become good friends, yeah. Of all his fails, those who can't, who can't do law. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But um, yeah, it's it's interesting. Like you actually thought quite um, intensely. It seems like about what you wanted to do upon graduation, whereas um, graduating high school, I think you did too, Sam. Like you definitely you knew you wanted to be in business. Like law was just something that like our parents really were pushing onto us. Just the marks that we got. I think for for me it was like okay I look did I expect to do as well as I did in the HSC honestly no I, I I didn't for me it was straight commerce I was like the world of finance that's where it's at very dynamic very engaging you know it's the, like the knowledge that I learned in school as well doing commerce and, and business studies could be applied and I was like okay um, this stuff is really interesting I'm doing really well I can see myself developing my knowledge base even further and i could see myself excelling in this field and then it just so happened that the marks that we got for hsc were better than expected and then my dad said don't waste your marks why don't you do a double degree and he said why don't you also do law and to be honest like we used to watch a lot of law related tv programs like law and order boston league and all of that and we were very um into it i was like yeah why not i could be a good lawyer um based off a tv show <laughs> but um that's why why we did law but i actually just want to ask daniel another question i didn't know that you had an interest in psychology so obviously if you've yes. listened to our previous podcasts you realize how kind of deep sometimes we get in trying to understand human nature human behavior the people the way people think so you said you would observe people. I never ever thought to myself that you're an observer because when I would look at you in school, I thought you were just blanking out. Peeping <laughs> Tom. I was like, this guy, like I would say like you zone out, like at least the, the, the appearance on your face is like you've, you've basically checked out. But I didn't realize that you were observing everyone around you. And so the fact, I mean, ha- I mean, do you still have an interest in psychology? And if you do, what are your observations, your own personal observations, maybe about your own friends, about the world, people, what, what, something that confuses you to this day that you don't really understand? Um, and why, why was psychology such an interesting area for you? Is it because you felt like you couldn't really understand people or you were misunderstood yourself? Um, I know I've asked a lot of different things, but um, I'll let you speak and let me know if you need me to clarify. I think in terms of the blanking out, I think it's just because I have... I have RBF. I have, I have, I have bad resting bitch face. So it's like, if I'm, I don't like, I probably, I do daydream. I do zone out, but like most of the time I am probably like, if I'm just staring at something and I'm just staring at a tree, I'm probably counting how many leaves there are on the tree. Not out of like, not like an autistic manner. I'm like, not going to be like, I'm going to remember this tree has 565 (laughs) leaves on it. I'll, I'll be like, how can, I'm like, can I count all of these leaves? Or like, how many? Why, how many? Why? I don't know. Why? <laughs> you might no, and and I'll be and, and I'll be like, oh, that's an interesting color of brick on that wall. Or like, 
I remember that how that wall used to look back in like 92, whatever. Not 92, I would have been one. <laughs> what am I talking about? Like, um, but it's like, I'm like, how, how did... Like, I look good for it, don't I? Like, um, <laughs> um, but I'm like, I'm just like always like just observing like things and just like, I wouldn't necessarily say I'm like really observing every, anyone's behavior or how they act, but I'm always just like, has their hairline always been like that? Are they always that tall? Have they put on weight? Are they thinner? I'm always like just seeing sensory. things. Um, but uh, what was the other question you said? And what's... Um, oh, psychology. Yes, yeah, psychology. Why psychology? What's something also that you've noticed about people, the, the people around you, your friends, that you thought was interesting or that just kind of caught your attention? Like any, any observations? Because psychology is such a deep, deep um, it, like science, I would say, because it's very hard to understand human behavior because it's so v- variable. Yeah. I agree with with what Sam is saying. Like with psychology, I feel like you have to constantly ask the question, "Why?" You know. So it's like, you know, you were telling us that you you would stare at trees and count the leaves. Like, you know, our natural question is, "Why?" <laughs> and then you'd be like, you know, I just wanted to know how many how many leaves are on the tree. Why? <laughs> um, it's funny because, like, I know asking why can be a very intimidating question because, from what I've learned, it's like some people are just like, I don't really have the answer. And is that something like you feel? I think my brain works in a very, I think it's too logical and too scientific, I would say, to like be able to answer. Like if someone just asked me why, I'd be like, I don't know. I need to find out. Like I need to do some sort of investigation to find the answer. Um, so you don't have any kind of intuition. Sorry. So you don't have any kind of like, it's not like this intuition or inkling in the back of your mind you're like oh, i think it might be this i just need to pull it out and like you without know doing the research yeah without doing the research and say like ah, oh, like you know i count leaves because um it calms me down yeah it calms me down yeah it's like a form of meditation or something. you mean a hypothesis yeah so like if probably but like I'd, I'd be like it's not necessarily going to be true so i'm like i'm not going to say it's a fact so i'll be like it could be because of this but then i'll probably just like ignore it mm. um why do you ignore it why 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 just because it's not like if it's not like hard if i don't have hard evidence for it i'm not going to believe it you know what i'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna steer this conversation quickly and it's gonna get really weird um, I know we've got for about five minutes, yeah. but uh, this is really interesting. Um, since you're, you're saying you're very scientific and it doesn't seem like you're, you're asking a lot of why questions because you're very um, fact-based and you know, research-based and it doesn't look like it's all based on intuition, um, which, is, which explains because it's more sensory mm-hmm. in some, to some extent. What's your, what's your understanding in terms of the purpose of life? Why are we here? your understanding uh, not what you've read or what you've seen like it can influence your 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 explanation but if i say to you right now what is your understanding behind the purpose of life what would you say or why are you alive <laughs> probably because i was procreated and born <laughs> oh, it's, it's so like it's you. like it's it's i i i don't have like, I never think about, like, what is the purpose of me being here? 
I probably do go like a, like yeah like I don't think like why am I here specifically mm-hmm. like I I probably have like out of body experience sort of things of like moments of like why am I sitting at this table holding this microphone mm-hmm. like how did I get so sexy? like why why <laughs> thank you like well, how how did I get to like be in existence like why like i there were times where i'll think like why am i existing mm. how did like specifically i become me mm. but i don't sort of consider of like necessarily that there's like a purpose to me being here wow. i sound very dead on the inside <laughs> <laughs> i don't think you sound dead it's just yeah it's just a different it's a very practical way of looking at life and i think if you um operate more from a belief system it's like, oh, there has to be a bigger and greater reason than, you know, me waking up every morning and, you know, um, you know, taking a number two, having a shower, like, you know, going into work. There definitely has to be like some meaning behind me taking number twos. <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, like, I, I definitely think to myself, like, okay, so we're doing rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. Um, for what for? Like, there has to be a reason for this, you know? And... Yeah, it's just it's very interesting just to hear that you're like you say, it sounds like you're okay with like well I'm okay with just rinsing and repeating I don't need there to be more meaning in my life like I'm happy existing is is that how it okay so you agree yeah I think I'm just sort of at like a point where I'm like this is my life I'm I'm not like I'm not I don't I don't feel like I'm working towards anything mm. like there's no goal because I always feel like if I have a like I probably in in my perspective, if I have if my life has a purpose, mm. I have to meet that expectation. Mm, right. Like if I'm here to do a particular job, I will need to do that job well. But if I don't see it as there being a purpose, then I never have that expectation to meet. Mm-hmm. So then I don't have like pressure on myself. That's what I was about to get. So you won't have that pressure, so you can't fail. Therefore, you can't feel upset about not having met that expectation. Right. So do you think, okay, so when you see people who are quite spiritual, religious, or they, they're very philosophical, right? Do you find that very unusual? And do you feel like, why do they think so much and so deeply? Why can't they just accept things as they are? Like, you are here. That's it. There's nothing more to it. Is that how, how sometimes you see people who kind of look for meaning and purpose behind you know the things that they they do or, or why they're here tell us how you feel about jehovah's witnesses <laughs> <laughs> let's not go back into <laughs> into my immature high school days um i think i don't like view oh i had a i had a point and i've forgotten it sorry um <laughs> it's, it's it's no about, it's, it's about spiritual people like how do you sorry before i made that jehovah's witness comment and there's, a, there's it's an inside joke um but so the question is so how do you view spiritual people i i don't view it as like what are they aiming towards like what's the point of of that because i i, I grew up in a semi-religious household i still hold i guess like relatively christian beliefs like i do believe of of like a higher being that's like mm. created the world and everything like that but i don't um like ground myself in it mm. but if someone else does i'll be like 
I'll be very supportive of it. So if someone is like, I'm going to, um, uh, like I'm going to the mosque to pray, I'll be like, go, go do it. Like, because I'm not one to say you shouldn't believe that because it's scientifically wrong. Mm. Because I'm like the thing I always think of is like the science doesn't know all the answers to everything. Mm-hmm. Science isn't always out to disprove religion or say that because of this religion can't exist. Yeah. I don't think science will ever be able to achieve that because a part of me thinks that you there's like truth to every religion. It's just told in like different perspectives of certain mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. So um yeah, it's, I mean, first of all, you, you're obviously quite respectful and you're very um, open-minded, which is something that's quite obvious to, to me, at least. And I respect that about you, Daniel. But it still doesn't really answer the question that I was trying to get to originally, which was when you... And I'm not saying like you... you which, like again, you made it very clear. You're not a judgmental person. You're like, you know what, to each their own... Um, the way I look at it is I just respect that person's beliefs and there might be something more that I might not see myself. But when you do see people kind of delving deep into kind of religion, spirituality, meaning and purpose behind life, do you just find that to be sometimes overwhelming? You're like, oh, like that's just not for me. It's, it's, you, you're going down a rabbit hole and um, it's almost overwhelming to think that hard about life like do you ever think to yourself why can't you to someone who is very much like that why can't you just chill out and you know just accept the fact that you're going to wake up for the next 40 years 50 60 70 whatever years you know eat breakfast you know do a number two as you guys were saying go to your job you know watch the footy on on the friday whatever get married have kids and then that's it there's nothing there's nothing more to it like stop overthinking it objection leading (laughs) (laughs) i feel like he's Um, perspective i think um yeah i think i probably wouldn't like think that much of it Mm. like if if someone is like very deeply like Mm. very like really going into their religion really trying to like seek the like purpose of life or like reasons why or everything i'm probably not actually going to assert like think anything Mm. of it i'll just be like they're being them Mm. they're just doing what they want to do Mm. and i think it's good if they're able to do it i would probably get more upset if someone was trying to prevent them Mm. from doing it i don't want to try and get any in anyone's way of not allowing them to to do what they need to like if someone is like um trying to build a church somewhere Mm. and like i might not be associated with that church but i'll be like let them Mm. build the church because there are people who are going to go there um and um pay their respects and everything Mm. just let like let people like have their religion like have their um freedom because there are people who are really going to want to like seek through their religion like certain answers for Mm. things and if Mm. you take that away from them that's like their entire life Mm. so i don't i don't think i i look at as like what's wrong with that person why are they doing Mm. that it's it's sort of like that's them i'm not them what's the point of me telling them what how they should behave and then it's sort of the same as like 
someone from from that religion might come up to me and like be trying to tell me about it. I think probably like in childhood or high school years, I'll be like, stop trying to push your religion on me. <laughs> to have as many <laughs> but now I'm sort of, I think like over the past years, I'll yeah. be like, I'll listen and, and like learn like from different religions and like mm. understand people's perspectives of how things, how things work. Awesome. I really respect that. That is a very healthy mindset. Um, and I think that's, that's something for everyone really to think about, which is like just letting each person um, having their own space to be who they are and not, and to believe whatever they want, you know, and to not judge. Um, yeah. Very proud to hear that's that's how you think it's such a it's such a mature way of thinking but guys it's been an hour and 35 minutes um so a bit over what we usually you know record but it was so good having daniel here and just to hear his perspective especially about his field also and just how as an isfj so just as a person who's pretty much more science-based practical how he thinks and as a j you know in terms of how he plans and organizes his life and yeah, we're going to wrap it up and probably grab some Korean Korean fried chicken. What do you think, guys? Yeah. Woo, woo. <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, this is two twins and a mic and we are wrapping it up. All right. Thanks, guys. See you in the next episode.